Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Hello. Hello. Um, if you have your Bibles, can you flip to First uh, Peter 2? This is a passage that we're all aware of, and this is actually Alex's message last week. If you didn't hear that, set me up really, really well. And so he touched on this. So once you have First Peter 2, go ahead and stand. We're going to read the word together, standing. First Peter 2, and let, let me get there. Sword drill. Who got there first? Here we go. We're going to read verse 4, but let me pray before uh, we read this. Holy Spirit, Jesus, we need your help this morning. I need your help. Would you clothe me uh, with maturity? Um, What an honor it is to learn from you. We want to be based in the scriptures. We want a foundation found in you. Lord, you know that I need your help. (laughs) So would you use my words? Uh, to teach us what you want to teach us. I pray uh, that the gospel would set people free this morning. Freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read this together. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, that's already good news, and you're precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood. Can you say priesthood? Priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices. Can you say sacrifices? Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Holy priesthood. Uh, Let me paint a picture for you guys real quick. Uh, Well, we are talking about worship today. I'm the worship director here. My name is Jacob. Nice to meet you. It's an honor. We are going to talk about worship because we are in our vision series. Um, And so I want to talk about worship because I think worship is foundational to this church. You're like, some of you are like, isn't every church foundational to worship? I would argue, no. A lot of people sing songs. But the vision series is also kind of like inviting you guys. This is, if you're visiting, this is our church. And worship for us is extremely foundational. So maybe this will help. This helped me because... I'm all over the place sometimes, but here's a picture. Picture we're building Saints Hill, the house Jesus is. Picture like a cement roller thing. There's a bag of cement that says scriptures, truth, right? And then there's another bag that says worship. And then you put the cement in, and that's the foundation of our church. It's, it's how do we balance tradition and scripture and uh, being really rooted, the foundation, building the house on scripture, but how do we also build the house on worship? Now also picture every foundation needs a frame, right? 
frame. And so like beams, I think of four anchors, four studs of a house. I'm not talking about Alex, Andrew, <laughs> Jim Trout is a stud. No, I'm talking about like uh, for the framing of a house, right? So maybe, it'll, maybe that picture will help real quick because what we're going to do is talk about the foundation of worship and then the four studs, four anchors. I'm also going to use the word vow. These are four vows when it comes to worship for our church. So we're going to build a house together, if that's okay. Um, one of my wife's favorite phrases is uh, you, uh, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. How many of you heard that before? Um, I would argue, uh, we're going to be real this morning. I would argue that uh, a lot of churches, the foundation isn't worship. And a lot of the things, the lipstick in the house, the, when you go into someone's house, there's, there's the art, there's all those things, right? And, you, and every year, I feel like certain churches just do another shade of lipstick. <laughs> and it's become more self-absorbed, and it's about us, and that type of stuff. But really, because you're like, but how many of you go into a house, and you're like, this house is beautiful. Can I see the foundation? You're like, no. But the foundation is important to build on. Amen? So that's what we're doing today. Uh, so four anchors, four, uh, and if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Biblical Acceptable Worship. Biblical Acceptable Worship. Uh, we're going to be in the scriptures a lot today, so if you did not read the word this morning or this week, I'm doing it for you. So you can say thank you. Uh, go ahead and flip to Genesis 2. Genesis 2. We're a royal priesthood. That's what we're going to talk about today. So here we will see our first vow or anchor, that stud, if you will, um, to the foundation of worship. If you're taking notes, this is up on the screen as well. Uh, let's do the first slide. The first anchor, biblical worship is, oh, here we go. So Genesis 20, next slide. Biblical worship is sacrifice. Here we go. As you all may know, there's a principle in reading the scriptures, um, kind of a law or rule of first mention. This law of first mention says to understand a particular word or doctrine, we must find the first place in Scripture that that word or doctrine is revealed and study that passage. I think using this rule for first mention in regards to worship is extremely helpful because in Genesis 22 is where we find the first mention of the word worship. And I think there's a few key insights in this story of Abraham and Isaac that we can unpack together to really uh, help us define worship and get this, find out what is really pleasing to God. We need to understand what is worship so we can please God, okay? So now to give some context, so did you guys move to Genesis 22? Okay. To give a little context, in chapter 17, we see God makes a covenant with Abraham. This covenant is accompanied with a promise that promise is a son, uh, giving him a son to him and his wife, Sarah. And they kind of laugh about it. Chapter 18, uh, the title of that passage is three visitors come. So like visitors of God come, almost like angels in a sense. And they reiterate the promise of a son. But they're like, hey, we're old. Sarah's past childbearing. And they laugh again, right? This is a really good story. I would take some time to go read it. It almost feels like a little telenovela. Because then somebody, somebody like like has a kid and then you're like, who's that? That's not the right person. And anyways, um, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. But so that's some context there. Uh, but here we go. Genesis uh, 22. And remember, we're looking at the first time that the word worship's mentioned. And before we even read this, the title of this passage for me is Abraham Tested. Just think about that for a second. So the first time we see worship is in the context of a passage called Abraham Tested. Testing. Okay, so let's read this. 
verses one through eight. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love. Wow, Isaac, and get to the region of Moriah. Miss you, bud. Sacrifice, if you know, you know. Moriah, our dear friend, moved away. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Okay, just read the, feel the obedience jump off the page here. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to the servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will, what? Worship. And then feel this faith. Then we, okay, then we will come back to you. It's kind of crazy. Verse six, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Papa, yes, my son, (laughs) Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. He's like, this is awkward. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse eight, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. So real quick, a key to our worship is recognizing in the testing that we live sacrificial lives. Why? Because God is the provider. Worshipers are able to worship because they recognize God is the provider. We are not. He is Lord. Rule of first mention here, the word worship means to bow down, to prostrate oneself before a superior, to humble oneself before God. Abraham uses this word in the midst of the most difficult trial he ever faced. He was in the deepest valley of his life, yet he saw the experience as a time of worship. I want to skip down to verse 12. So then he he goes to do it. He takes the knife, and then here we go. An angel of the Lord says this. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now listen, pay attention here. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Let let that kind of language sit in for a second. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld your son. You fear God because you've not withheld your son. Since he chose to worship and obey, I have to flip my page, but go to uh, verse 15. So because he did this, verse 15 goes on and on, and then it says this. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, done what? Have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So the fruit of a life of worship is a blessing from the Lord. How many of you know we don't worship just for the blessing, right? But this is amazing. Worshipers of God, people of obedience and sacrifice. It says that when we do this, our descendants will be many and blessed. This is crazy. Nations will be blessed. That's a huge reward, right? For one man worshiping. God's covenantal people are invited to choose to live a life of sacrifice by worshiping in the testings of life where we choose obedience always and fully depend on the provision of the Lord. 
we're going to talk more practically about what is biblical worship. But in, in essence, this is it. If you could take one thing, it's this. Biblical worship is a life that is laid down before God our Lord, that is dependent on his voice as provision, where we live lives of sacrifice and obedience, handing over everything to God that he gave us so that ultimately we serve to see further generations be blessed and victorious. See, our worship matters because it's eternal. Our worship matters because it blesses generations to come. So what we learn from the life of Abraham is God gave him the most amazing, miraculous gift, a reward. But in the end, Abraham never let the reward take the place in his heart of the great rewarder. The life of a worshiper is keeping full devotion and submission to the rewarder and always making him the heart's greatest reward. Let me say it this way. In other words, God can only bless the things that you are willing to give back to him. Some of you are slowly getting it. God can only bless the things that you are willing to give back to him. This is worship. So worship is a way of life. What I'm talking about, as you can see, is way more meaningful than songs or a stage. I love those. I'm the worship director here. It's my job. But practically, this means every time we worship in here, this time in this room, this room needs to be marked by a sacrificial people. Amen? So if you're taking notes, our next anchor, the next stud, next slide here, biblical worship is sacrifice and habitation. You say habitation? Here we go. So really, this habitation portion could be summed up in, the, in this passage of, of what we're talking about, royal priesthood, being a living temple. Super short. I would actually highly recommend a Bible project. They have a video called The Royal Priesthood. Go watch that. It's awesome. But in short, after Jesus' disciples receive the Holy Spirit, they become God's temple and the physical embodiment of Jesus on earth. We are now walking priests. This is what it means. Walking worshipers wherever we go. And whatever we do, whatever we put our hands to, it's priestly sacrifices unto the Lamb. See, God's heavenly temple presence now transfers to a group of people who are now his temple. So habitation. It's a people of habitation. The definition of habitation is the state of living in a particular place. For example, a home. I want to look at a few Psalms together. Really, we could do a whole sermon on the book of Psalms, right? It's like that is the book on worship. But I want to look at a couple that are in line with habitation. So flip in your Bibles to Psalms 84. It's the book after the book called Job. Does, does anyone want to laugh in church? We can at least laugh that it's really hot in here and I'm wearing a big shirt. We can laugh at that, right? Okay, here we go. So in verse one, let's read this. How lovely, say lovely. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Wow. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And I love this. 
Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. So verse one says this, how lovely is your dwelling place? I love this language. Isn't that beautiful? How lovely. I would argue this is language of enjoyment. Being in the Lord's dwelling, the habitation is lovely. God is looking for habitations, dwellings. Dwelling is a place where people live. He is looking for homes where worshipers, homes like this place where worshipers enjoy him, a people that love his dwelling. When we gather, if anything, yes, it's to facilitate encounter, it's to minister to God, but really I pray that this place is a place where you get to come and enjoy God. Enjoy God. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas has this simple quote. He has a a summa, uh, like a summary of theology, and he says a simple quote. Look at this. Everlasting life consists in the enjoyment of God. Some of you aren't like smiling. Everlasting life consists in the enjoyment of God. This is beautiful. We gather to enjoy God. How lovely is your dwelling place? What I want to point out next is really key in this habitation portion. Verse 2 says this, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out to the living God. God is looking for worshipers in their lives when they gather, worships that, worshipers that deeply long to be in his dwelling, to dwell, to find habitation with the Lord. This, this language, habitation, also reminds me of John 15. We talk about John 15 all the time. It reminds me of the word abiding, dwelling. Doesn't that sound like lingering? Sounds like moving into a home and staying there. No short, quick, one-night motel type thing. No YouTube worship moment, right? It's a dwelling, a living. Verse 5, powerful language. Get this whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage, a yearning soul with a heart that's set on a pilgrimage. So let me ask you today, is your soul yearning for the presence of God? Are you you deeply longing for the dwelling place of the Lord? Is one of your greatest priorities to enjoy God? All right, next psalm. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give you a freebie. Go to Psalm 100. I want to touch on this real quick. Psalm 100. I love this one. I would even say Psalm 100 is like a mandate for this house. We've seen it practically in our times of worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship, thank you. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So real quick, in those verses, what do we see? Shout for joy. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So in this habitation place, in this place of acceptable biblical worship to God is joy-filled and it has attitudes of gladness. So when we gather in this time, it's in this place for worship, it's a time of joy and gladness. We must remember that because we're charismatic. No. Because what if my personality isn't in that? I would argue this isn't a charismatic or personality conversation. This is a design conversation. 
Our heart is to please God with operating how he designed us and the Bible reveals acceptable worship to God is filled with joy and gladness. That's a better word than you thought. So this is what we should see in our gatherings. This language is all over the Psalms. And can we be family for a second? Ready? I'm going to pick on two sides. I look out sometimes and I see you. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like out here a lot. So I don't know if you guys know I can see you. Um, and what I'm about to say, I'm obviously not talking about you, right? It's your neighbor next to you, right? And you're either sitting the whole time or your hands are in your pockets and you don't look joy filled or glad, but you're a worshiper. So do what the Bible tells you to do. Okay. Then on the other side, I see some of you who the whole entire time, you don't stop moving. You don't stop singing. You're praying the whole time. You're singing out in tongues the whole time. And it's beautiful. But some of you also need to sit down in silence. Let the instruments and the songs play over you so that you can actually be filled with joy and really experience gladness. Sometimes we talk and sing so much that we can't hear him. So let's let this place. And then side note, some, I, I understand that the Psalms, I would argue, this is a fully Jake opinion. There's other Psalms in here that are like, the lament songs, and they're about us and those, right? So is there a place for those? Yes. So every now and then there's a place for this, and this is where it's my opinion. I would argue those psalms, maybe just because I'm a dad in a trying time, like Monday through Saturday, that's when those psalms are coming out. It's the, it's the well, really, that's the testing where I'm like, why are you downcast my soul and I do that? But specifically, there's acceptable worship when we gather. When we're here, it's not about us. It's about being joyed and filled with gladness, Okay. I agree with that. Other places in the Psalms, it says play instruments. That's why we play instruments. Other places, it says lift up holy hands. Lift up your hands. Holy hands. So when we gather, we lift up hands. Why? I don't really know why. I don't know why. But guess what? I know that he really likes it. That could make me cry for some reason. He really likes it. When you lift hands, it's acceptable worship to God. I don't know why, but he dwells where his people lift hands, sing songs of joy, and are really glad. Verse 3, 4. Here we go. Oh, verse 4, sorry. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is key here. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving his courts with praise. Like how I said, I think this slowly, not just because I'm declaring it, I've seen it almost be like a mandate for this house. It's a major insight in how we enter into his habitation, if you will. We get closer to God when we give thanks and praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise. I don't know about you, but when we are in times of worship, how many of you have been in those times of worship over the last four years? We hit those moments of, I call them high vertical praise and thanks, where you just feel the room shift. You sense, oh, wow, the Lord, the King is super attracted to this. He's entering in. Those, we welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. It's my joy to thank you. Thank you. You know those times when we do that and we linger on that? How many of you can feel him attracted to that and we get close? This is something I'm always trying to direct us into. So I ask you, as a royal priesthood, would you join me? Come with gratitude on Sundays in your hearts and ready to lift up high praise. 
This is what Saints Hill is created to do. It's biblical, acceptable worship that pleases him. And honestly, I think it's that thanks and high praise that actually can mark a town. This has nothing to do with our emotions. It's us obeying and aligning with the truth, but I've seen in my own life, try it, a lot of times my emotions will follow right behind sacrificing truth. Okay, so that psalm was a freebie. Here's the last psalm in habitation is this. I love this, Psalm 132. Flipping your Bible to Psalm 132. I love to hear the paper. It's amazing. This is a powerful psalm. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. Can that be said about you? Lord, remember Jacob and all his self-denial. Remember Alex and all his self-denial. Wow, okay. And this is what David did. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow. Remember, we're making like vows anchors. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow. And this is the vow. This is crazy. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. Can we say that together? Till I find a place for the Lord. Say it again. Till I find a place for the Lord. I would argue this sentence is your new calling. <laughs> Pick it up. Worshippers, they make an oath with the Lord. I will not allow sleep into my eyes. I will not go to bed till I find a place for the Lord. And then what we see, and this honestly reminds me of what we read about Abraham. When you do that, the Lord makes an oath with you. The Lord swears back to you. Later on, it says, this is my resting place. I will bless her with abundant provision, satisfied with food. Verse 17 says this, I will make a horn grow for David. How many of you need your horn grown? Okay. Take that out of the podcast. But no, uh, horn just symbolizes strong one. That is king. And then look at verse 18. I will clothe this enemy, his enemies with shame. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. So the Lord swears an oath back to you that he wants to then make a resting place with you. So may saints he'll be a habitation for the saints and the Lord, a home. See, I look around and I think there's a lot of Christian houses, a lot of Christian, maybe physical buildings, institutions, but I wonder how many of those the Lord calls home. Oh gosh. Think, what's the difference between a house and a home? House is the physical structure, but a home is where dwelling takes place. See, just because you have a house with a cross in front of it does not mean Christ lives there. Did you know that you can sing Christian songs, but Christ isn't in the room? Like Israel, it once was said, their lips honor me, but their hearts are far from me. So church, we must repent of this type of worship. God is looking for a home. I declare Saints Hill will be a comfy dwelling place of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So sacrifice and habitation. Our third vow here. Next slide. We're building that house. Home improvement right? You got your nail guns ready? Or home improvement, is it like, anyways, whatever. If you know, you know. Go YouTube, all the grunts in home improvement. You'll laugh. Biblical worship is sacrifice, habitation, spirit, and truth. Flipping your Bible to John 4. 
John 4. You guys also know this story. Tons of you in here probably know it way better than me. That's why I prayed that I needed God's help. <laughs> the story where Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman. Probably, I, we probably have heard this story. I know I've, I've heard this, and this is good. I've heard this story preached on uh, the topic of sin, evangelism, prophecy, words of knowledge, repentance. I've heard this message given about the gospel coming to all people groups. While all of this is and can be found in this story, we also need to understand it's really a conversation about worship, like actually pretty directly, like Jesus is talking about worship because he was asked about it. To give some context, uh, they meet at a well, right? This woman and Jesus, the Samaritan is coming to get water. And this is beautiful. Some of this is even gonna set some of you free. Jesus talks about the water of life, which will eliminate spiritual thirst forever. They're having this conversation and Jesus completely reads her mail, right? Without knowing her, he knows she has, she's had many husbands. She's now living in, adul in adultery with a man who's not her husband. So he has this beautiful conversation with this woman saying, I have living water that will never leave you thirsty. Then the woman realizes who Jesus is in that moment. She's convicted. And what's amazing is we now later on see that she shares her testimony to the other Samaritans and the result is many salvations. But now in verse 20, it almost, to me, um, if you're a scholar, help me, but to me, it almost seems kind of random how she kind of just jumps into worship because she's kind of convicted and essentially she's like, okay, I see that you're Messiah, so where do I worship, essentially? So here, here we go. 21 says this, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true, say true, worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers, and this shows the heart of the Father, the Father seeks. God is spirit, and the worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So the remedy to her lost life is meeting truth the person and becoming a true worshiper that the Father seeks out. Spirit and truth. Now, in regards to spirit, I don't want to spend tons of time on the spirit side. I think we get this really well. But Jesus says God is spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, kind of what I was referring to with the holy priesthood stuff. We are now a priest. We're a new temple. A new temple fire is in us, the Holy Spirit. So worshiping in the spirit is connecting our spirit to God who is spirit. Even how Jesus says you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, I think this is because we worship by the Spirit, not a specific place now. We're now a walking priest, temple. So worshiping in the Spirit is recognizing our priestly duties, not your Libre, of connecting our spirit to God and worshiping Him wherever we go. That's worshiping in the Spirit with everything. We are now the habitation of the Lord. So in general, I believe that's what it means by the Spirit. But I really want to focus on the truth portion of worship. What does this mean, worship in truth? Well, first, in what I read in this, in this passage, first, it's the truth that the Jews had, salvation. So worship with the truth and understanding who Christ is now. Worshiping in truth is believing Christ is Lord. Worship is coming in this place and agreeing with God about what he said, who he says Jesus is. 
a life living that examples that truth, like Abraham, a life that is dependent and all-knowing that Christ is our provider. So we worship out of that truth. Now, a little further, Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then catch this part. A lot of times we know that first part. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you're going to fear the Lord, you have to know the Lord. And when you know the Lord and you understand the glory of his name, get this, you want to worship him. This is very important for us as worshipers, especially me as like a music director, because every worship, every worshiper must be a theologian. Now, I'm not saying you have to be in seminary or get your doctorate. I'm saying we must always be growing in our knowledge of the Holy One. This is directly how we can worship in truth. Fall in love with the scriptures. As we grow in knowing Jesus, the right response is acceptable worship. Especially as we come to the scriptures, it's a journey every time we read it, but making him Lord. When you come to the scriptures, you read it, but it's the only book where the author shows up and reads you. Let him be Lord. And when you see him as Lord, you will want to worship. So always growing and reading, studying is the direct pathway to be a worshiper of spirit and truth. Maybe say this, the more spirit I experience, the more truthful I am. Now say this, the more truth I experience, the more spirit I experience. Let me word it this way. You won't want to be rushing into this place, into the presence of the Lord, unless you know whose presence you're in. What I unfortunately find missing at times in our current worship culture is a true knowledge and therefore a vision of God. Instead, I see the knowledge of self and celebrity growing, so our songs end up mostly being about us at times. And we have a culture that tends to look a tad more conformed to the world than conformed to heavenly biblical worship. So until we have a full understanding of the nature of God and the glory of God and the greatness of God and the majesty of God, you really don't know whose presence you're rushing into. So when we get that understanding by being immersed in the scriptures, it's not only for intelligence, it's because we want to fall more in love with Jesus and worship him in truth. I was texting Alex about this piece of writing last night. I stumbled across this. Um, Next slide. Uh, here we go. It's the Heidelberg Catechism of 1563. Holy sheesh. Read this with me, not out loud, but please follow along. (laughs) We must see the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess him. Wow. Call on him and praise him in all our words and works. We must see the holy name of God only with fear and reverence. We don't live in a reverent culture, do we? It's far too casual and it treats God in far too casual a manner as well. We take our Lord's name in vain and we think less of him than is true of him. When we know less of him than we ought to know, we are then bound to give him less praise than he deserves. So we need to worship with full knowledge of the truth and with a full heart where spirits connect with God because he's spirit and we're walking temples. It also reminds me of the passage in the road to Emmaus. Uh, Jesus, uh, he walked, people don't know him. He goes to someone's house. He, he breaks bread, meets with them. And this is beautiful. At one point, one of them said, did not our hearts burn within us? 
while he taught us the scriptures. I'm going to say it again. Did our hearts not burn with us while he taught us scriptures? That's true worship. A burning heart towards Jesus, that is a heart that just found out the knowledge of truth. That is worship. So biblical worship is this, educated minds, burning hearts. Lastly, we're about done. Are you guys getting something from this? Lastly, the fourth stud, the frame beam is up. Thank you, Andrew Fleming. If you know, you know. He's a hard worker on houses. It's this. Next slide. Biblical worship is sacrifice, habitation, spirit, and truth. And biblical worship is holy. Did you know that you were literally saved to worship? <laughs> Think about it. You were saved from the, darkness, the, the kingdom of darkness, saved into the kingdom of light, Heaven has come today through Jesus, but ultimately we are also going to heaven. So you literally were saved because what's going on in heaven is endless worship. You were literally saved to worship. There's tons of holy worship in Revelation, uh, worshiping the lamb. So flipping your Bibles, we'll end here to Revelation 4. Revelation 4. And I highly uh, encourage you, like Revelation 4, let's say 4 to like 14, these are all like gatherings of worship. It's what's going on in heaven right now. It's beautiful. And one of our uh, visions here is, is from the scriptures, it's on earth as it is in heaven. So our goal as worshipers is not just fall in love with our Spotify worship playlist. One of our goals, <laughs> one of our goals is the worship gatherings up there should start looking like how they are down here. What's going on up there? If we want on earth as it is heaven, we must worship like this. So Revelation 4, we'll make this quick here. Thanks for sticking with me. Revelation 4, uh, at one point, so come up here, I'll show you, and let's look at this. Let's start with uh, verse 8. And there's and multiple chapters to come. It's very similar stuff to this. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around under its wings day and night. They never stopped saying, and look at these lyrics. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So very simply, the point here is that it's all about lifting up the Lamb's holiness, declaring he is holy and worthy in giving thanks. I Once again, I know that we have felt it in this room. There's certain times when we go into those choruses that are like, holy, 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 who was and is to come, worthy, worthy, worthy. Those powerful times, I feel like is like, this is my opinion. Those times, that's probably one of the quickest ways I've seen. I've been leading worship for a long time. I'm still young, but a long time. When, we, when, the, when the royal priesthood sings out those lyrics, it's one of the quickest pathways to the king entering in. It's heaven on earth. It's something I actually, in this season, really want to protect more than ever. I'm like being a stickler about the songs that we're singing. Big time, because we're protecting the flame of God when we gather. Songs and lyrics must reflect, reflect this. So I even felt like when I was writing this out, humbly, I just want to say, on I'm going to speak on behalf of my whole team as the music director here. I actually felt led to apologize 
if there was ever times that we sang songs that were way more about us, if there was ever songs that we left where you got more introspective and it was about your story and your journey, those are fine. But in this house, in this time on Sundays, I want it to reflect these lyrics. So I want to I apologize. Uh, the Lamb of God uh, is the focus of this type of worship, singing out holy. Let's flip to Revelation 14, and then we're going to be done here. This, this one little sentence caught my eye, and this is what I want to end with. It's kind of a funky one. We're going to look at verse 4. Are you guys there? Can you see it with your own eyes? These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remain virgins. What does that first tell me? Just right off the bat, worshipers are giving their life to a life of purity. That's what it's talking about, purity and worship. And listen to this. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. May St. Hill be a worshiping church where the foundation is no matter what, we will follow the lamb wherever he goes. Let's stand. I want to, uh, as we stand, if you feel comfortable, you don't, because maybe you don't agree with anything I said, so maybe you don't want to declare this. <laughs> but I wanted to end with a, a simple declaration. You could even take a photo of this if you want, the last slide. This is in Jake's kind of language here. What is worship? We could, we could read this together. True worship is any and every expression of obedience, praise, honor, adoration, and gratitude offered to the true God. Living sacrifices given over to him whose souls become a home for him. Worshipers who know the truth about God and love him rightly. They anticipate singing out his holiness so that the whole earth can look like heaven. This is a way of life. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.